Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is the DNVR Buffs podcast. Um, I'm Henry Chisholm, and this is a Sunday morning. I'm watching some golf, getting ready to go play with RK because uh, we got a big golf thing coming up. And uh, I'm going to tell you about that. I'm going to tell you about the new assistant coach on the basketball team, the staff cuts that happened, the first round of staff cuts, actually, at CU in the athletics department. Um you know, actually, th- there's so many things that I have on my mind that I want to get out today. Um, but before I do that, I want to tell you about our great friends over at Manscaped. Manscaped is an incredible company. Uh, like I said, I'm going golfing a couple hours with RK, playing Fossil Trace, a great course I've heard, and then I've like watched videos of it too. Um, but uh, I know that before I go out there, I am going to have to throw on some crop preserver because seriously. I know I say this a lot, but it is a lifesaver. It just changes the way you think about your day. Like there's never a point where you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm I'm all gross and sweaty. I smell bad. That's just not a thing anymore. It's it's a thing of the past. And I don't know. Now now that I have seen the light and I feel like I'm a part of the future, it's my responsibility to tell all of you to join us and get that crop preserver. It, your balls deserve deodorant. I mean, that's that might sweat more than your armpits or whatever else. <sighs> I don't know. I just can't believe I didn't think of this earlier. Now that Manscaped has hooked us all up with uh, that uh, Perfect Package 3.0, uh, which I cannot recommend enough. If you guys want to pick one up, you can go to manscaped.com and use the code DMVR20 for 20% off um, and also free shipping. And, you know, with that perfect package 3.0, you get um, a whole bunch of their products, including uh, the crop preserver that I talked about, the lawnmower 3.0, which is uh, the the best trimmer I own or have ever owned or uh, have even thought about owning. Um, But, yeah, seriously, just can't recommend them enough. Take care of yourself. Uh, It's hot outside. Now's the time to do it. Um, Yeah, code is DNVR20. I'll say that one more time at manscaped.com. Okay. So, uh, see, and this is one of those tough shows where there are a bunch of topics that are very serious, and there's also some topics that are not serious at all, and I have to decide which ones to talk about first. Um, There's so many fun things. Okay, we're going to start with one fun thing, and then we're going to jump into the serious stuff, and then we'll talk about some other things that are going on. Uh, So first... This is pretty cool. This isn't something that I ever saw last year, but this morning at 6 a.m., Drew Wilson, the Buffs 
uh, strength and conditioning coach, tweeted out a graphic. And uh, in that graphic, it, it showed the top speeds from this whole week of practice, the second week that they've been at the facilities. Um, and, and it was like gold, silver, bronze at three different positions, sort of. So players are grouped, and I've seen this in a couple other places as well. Um, this seems to be how they approach their strength and conditioning. Um, not going by like defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs, offensive line, running backs. Instead, the offense and defense side is ignored and they call them skill guys. So those would be like your receivers, your cornerbacks, your DBs, uh, running backs, your line, which is your defensive line, your offensive line, and then the combo guys. So the combo guys, those are like linebackers or tight ends or uh, fullbacks. Um, and so for each of those categories, each of the three categories, it listed the three players with the highest speeds because they wear those monitor things that Mel bought last year um, that track your heart rate during practice. They track your top speed so that the coaches can see who's putting the most effort out there. Um, the, the speed thing, I remember talking to Visca. Actually, my first ever conversation with Visca was about that. Um, and, you know, he said he was the fastest. He said that it really does push guys. Everybody's competing all the time. The fastest speeds are posted in the locker room. Um, you can get more information from the coaches because it tracks a whole bunch more than that stuff. Um, so this is a competition. And for week two of summer, I'm really excited by what I see. Uh, let's just jump in. So the skill position guys, those are the guys who we really are into the speed for. Placing third... I'll give you a second to guess. Think through speed guys, defensive backs, cornerbacks, uh, receivers, running backs. I've separated cornerbacks and defensive backs a couple times. That's weird. Um, okay, so number three, at 20 and a half miles per hour, Dimitri Stanley. Not really a huge surprise. You know, that, that would have been one of the guys that you'd expect to see in there. Um, he is obviously really fast. We've seen that. We know that that's the book on him. That's what makes him so scary in the slot is that he has the slot receiver cutting ability, but also he can rip the seam in a way that a lot of slot receivers can't. You know, you think of uh, a Wes Welker type, a Julian Edelman type. They can get open underneath. They can box guys out. Uh, good quarterbacks, if they can place the ball properly, they can put the ball where only their receiver can get it, even on those little short routes, and just dominate a game by nickeling and diming. But you can also have those speed slot guys who you throw in the slot, and their job is to just break cover three, or even cover two, really, just angle it inside a little bit. Um, and Dimitri Stanley can provide both of those two things, which is what makes him really exciting. Um, to be honest, he's not the most exciting name on the list. Uh, number two, at 21.3 miles per hour, Ashad Clayton. Whew. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Because you look at him and watch him play high school football and you say, yeah, that kid is a burner. And he's physical and he's strong and he can toss guys and he can spin and juke and all that stuff. But also he's a burner. Sometimes that speed doesn't translate to the college level, or sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes it takes time in a strength and conditioning program to, uh, you know, turn your God-given natural speed into the most it can be. 
uh, by working out. And to see that he's already the second fastest skill guy, um, at least he was this week. We'll see if he's able to stick around on these more often. I went back and checked. There wasn't one of these posted for the first week. Um, but uh, that's a good sign. Uh We'll keep track of these, of course, but if we wanted to just make a too early assumption, we could say that Ashad Clayton is the fastest running back for the buffs, um, which means that he should be impactful pretty early because speed plays anywhere. You know, whether he can run guys over, any of that kind of stuff, we don't know. But if you're running 21.3 miles per hour, there are situations where you can get the ball in your hands in a college football game. That's just a fact. Um, number one. The only player faster than Ashad Clayton, Dimitri Stanley, well, and I guess the, the rest of this team, 22.2 miles per hour, Brendan Rice. That is probably the most exciting name that could be up there. I mean, Brendan isn't a guy that we focused on as much. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about Shad just because his path to seeing the field is so clear, and he could do that so quickly. Um, he could he could be the starter day one. I think he could lead the team. He could have more than half the carries um, offensively week one. That wouldn't surprise me. If Brendan Rice is in the rotation this season, the, the normal rotation when everybody's healthy, when they're throwing four, maybe five guys on the field per game, maybe six at the most, that would surprise me. It would definitely surprise me less now knowing that he's running 22.2 miles per hour. And I'm not sure if you saw this, but it was about two weeks ago that uh, the, the workout facility that he works out in at home in Arizona um, it's kind of like what Matt McChesney runs here, that 6-0 strength and fitness. It's basically one of those, um, but in Arizona. And one of his coaches posted a picture of him uh, in his last day before he came to Boulder. And he's just jacked. I, I've never seen anything like it. And I don't, I, I, I don't know how that happens. Like, as somebody who's never had a whole bunch of muscle, to see somebody who is cut up like that, but also that bulky, I don't know. I, honestly, I saw him and thought, oh, I thought he was fast. And then again, another guy, you watch the high school tape, you're like, oh, he's fast. What does he look like in the Pac-12? Um, turns out he's really fast. We have a time for it. But uh, when you see that bulk at six foot two, and he's running 22.2 miles per hour, those are physical gifts that just cannot be replicated. That's the truth. Like I, I could spend as much time as I want and it's, I'm well past my prime now. I would have had to start at like age 12. He probably started at like age seven, but I still just wouldn't have a chance. Most of the players on the bus football team wouldn't have a chance. Most of the players in the pack 12 wouldn't have a chance. Um, seeing his name, Brendan Rice, the fastest player time this week at 22.2 miles per hour. That is exciting. So exciting. So exciting. And uh, I, ju I just... Brendan Rice, Ashad Clayton, Dimitri Stanley. What an exciting future. And, you know, for, for all the things that people think about Mel, and if they're negative, they're probably justified... I almost think that this was like the perfect scenario. Like, like bring in Mel Tucker for one year. Let him do whatever it is he does where he like tricks everybody into thinking that he's a great guy and is totally thinking about them. And like, I don't want to bash Mel too much because again, like he was always good to me. But at the same, like I've talked to people and that is the general perception out there. And a lot of people are really angry. 
and if he had stuck around Colorado, it does seem like at some point things were going to blow up. But to have somebody like Mel come in and just recruit for a year, <laughs> why not? Just bring in this flagship class that is going to, I mean, I, I think now when you're looking at the Buffs timeline to to be, uh, let's even call it a national contender, a team that's trying to get to the college football playoff. I think this is the class you look at, the, the true freshman class that that it will be on or is on campus right now, I guess. Uh, when when they're senior seniors, juniors, that's when you have a chance. If everything goes well, that's where you can kind of make that push, um, and you can build off that class as well. And hopefully, Carl Durrell can do it. But just to have one of those to kind of reset things, just reload on talent, it's huge. It's huge. And then for them to have a just great guy at coach is a is a plus too so i think this may have been just the perfect scenario um yeah okay um we're gonna touch on all of the news here in a second new assistant coach staff cuts less fun things i mean rick ray is more fun to talk about cuts to the staff just suck especially because it was simone george who i really like really respect i've spent some time with her and I you know she, she seems very much loved by the players within the program um, but we'll talk about that because a lot of businesses and institutions I guess like the University of Colorado have to make some tough decisions and uh, we'll get into that after I tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is just the best beer. Um, I actually haven't had a beer in a while, which is weird because it's a Sunday. And that's why, like, usually this is the day where I'm like, okay, that's been a lot of beer. See you again on Thursday. But I've kind of just been hanging out, watching golf, thinking about golf. Well, we got to talk about golf here in a second, too. Actually watching a bunch of NWSL as well. That has been so much fun. Um, but yeah, I could really use a beer. And if I could pick any of them, I think I'd probably go with the Strawberry Sky because, whoa, I, I think this is actually the best beer that I have ever had. Yeah. I think I can say that. I think that that is like my favorite beer that I have ever had. Looking back through like all the other beers I've tried and like I've had more expensive beers. I've had a whole bunch of a lot cheaper beers, like the Kirkland Signature Light at Costco, those were a staple in college. Um, those were terrible, but yeah, that, the Strawberry Sky, my favorite beer of all time, and uh, I would love to have one of those or a twelve pack of those right now. Um, maybe today while we're golfing, maybe when we're golfing we'll get a couple. But uh, yeah, you guys, if you haven't had a chance, should check those out. A great place to do it is at the DNVR bar. Um, we are open. Also, Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits Spirits down south of Denver is a great option. Um, they have a couple of locations. They have great prices. They also have pretty much every other alcohol you could want, too, if you're not just looking for Breckenridge beers. Um, yeah, uh, for all of the locations, you can use the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you exactly where to go to find whatever it is you want to try. Also... Strava Craft Coffee, another great drink, more of a morning drink than a beer probably for most of us, but hey, you do you. 
Uh, if you want night coffee or morning beer and want to just flip things around, I don't even know what would happen, but it would throw me off. Again, you do you. Uh, Strava Craft Coffee is CBD-infused coffee. It's so, so good. CBD can help with anxiety, with depression, with um, just like body aches and pain and I mean, whatever else you're going through, whatever ailment you might have, CBD just helps a lot of things. And I think a lot of those things haven't even been like publicized all that much. Uh, it's, uh, it's worth a try just to see what it could do for you. And especially with these prices, again, with the code DNVR20, save yourself 20% and get free shipping. It'll come straight to you like that, that 20% off, why would you just go to the store and buy coffee when you can order this coffee? It's non-psychoactive, there's no THC, you're you're just getting coffee with some health benefits, why not? Again, code DNVR20, that's Strava Craft Coffee, check it out. Okay, um, let's start with the staff cuts because that's kind of what I talked about. Um, so... As far as I know, we only have one name released. I just went and double checked. Um, this was Brian Howell that reported this, by the way. Uh, shout out to Brian. Uh, he uh, so so the Buffs cut four uh, people from their athletics department staff. They also had their associate athletic director of marketing resign. So really, it's five people who are now gone, and. In, in the story that Brian wrote, uh, he did talk to Rick George, and Rick said that they're going to have to make cuts. And that much is clear. With everything that's going on in the world, they're not going to have as much money as they typically have or as much as they planned on having for this year. And so they have to make some changes. But what he said was, we still don't know to what level we have to cut. And that is the really disappointing part because it almost makes it sound like this isn't the end of the cuts. You know, this is just like, we know we need to cut at least this much, so we need to cut this much. And once we realize, you know, oh, we're going to miss the first two games of the season where there's no non-conference season, then we're going to lose some revenue and we're going to have to make some more cuts. Or no fans are allowed and we're sure about that, we have to make some cuts there or something with other sports. There's so many things that could flare up and it's just putting everybody in a tough position. Simone was uh, the recruiting director uh, under Mel Tucker. And then when uh, Carl Durrell took over, he moved her to director of player personnel. Um, and now she is gone. I, I don't know actually if they're going to fill that position again later on or if that's just a position that was cut or exactly what was going on there but uh that is the one name that we have heard and uh there are three others that we haven't i believe so this is obviously something to keep an eye on and honestly it's been something to keep an eye on for months now and the fact that the buffs were able to avoid having to do this until now i I would consider it a win. And, and I haven't looked through the rest of the Pac-12, and that's probably something I should do to see what kind of cuts they've had to make um, because that's, like, the easiest comparison to see, like, okay, is is Rick George 
protecting jobs better than the rest of the conference. I'm just curious. And obviously every school is under different circumstances. And so it can't be a direct one-to-one comparison. And there's a whole bunch of other things that are going on as well. But it does feel like with everything going on in the world for this to be the first round of cuts, although there was the round where, uh, you know, I, I believe Carl Durrell took 15% less of a salary. I think Tad Boyle did the same thing. Tad Boyle also refused the NCAA tournament bonus, which was another hundred grand. Uh, the other sports coaches, I think they were 5% cuts to their salary, maybe 10% cuts. Ah, the big guys were 10 or 15 um, with Tab Boyle and Carl Durrell. The other sports were 5 or 10. I'll double check those numbers. But um, there was that, and now there's this. We'll see. And again, it's it's just kind of one of those things where nobody knows what's going to happen. And it just sucks is what it is. Um in happier news, the Buffs did hire a new assistant basketball coach. So Anthony Coleman, who was at Colorado for one year after leaving Arizona State, went back to Arizona State. He's a big-time recruiter. Um, and when that role was vacated when he left, the Buffs obviously had to fill in and add another assistant coach to the staff. So this isn't like a thing where you should be saying, oh, look, they cut all these people, but then hired this person. That's not fair. No, this was an open position. Um, and I don't want that to get misconstrued. So Tad Boyle decided to hire Rick Ray, who I haven't known all that much about, but I have researched. And so now we are here. Uh, 50 year old. Um, he's been a head coach at the Division One level for the last eight seasons. Um, the first three, 2012 through 2015, were at Mississippi State. The next five were at Southeast Missouri State. Uh, he never finished with a winning record. Uh, he did come close a couple of times, uh, you know, 15 and 18 um, 14 and 17. Uh, he, he did have a winning conference record in the Ohio Valley Conference with Southeast Missouri State back in 2016, finished 12th. Um, and I think that when you open up his Wikipedia page and see the records, it isn't all that exciting because, again, I mean, Mississippi State, he, it's, that's an SEC school, that's Power Five. Um, but not much success here. What you like more is the fact that he is experienced, that he has run programs like this before, and that he is now stepping into a role beneath Tad Boyle. And I think that he deserves a little more credit um, just because it's so hard to be a head coach in college basketball in eight years and to have somebody with eight years of head coaching experience at the division one level, even if his overall record was 88 and 164, that's huge for an assistant coach. And with Anthony Coleman, that's more of a guy who you see as an up and comer, a guy who you bring in, um, and, and he has, he's a very good coach who brings a bunch of qualities you like and is going to be a good coach and eventually he's going to leave to be a head coach somewhere else. Who knows? Rick Ray could do the same thing, 
but I could also see him being a bit of a, a mainstay here. Um, maybe he does realize that he's more of an assistant coach type at this point, or maybe he does want another run. And I, I can't say I know a whole bunch about the Mississippi State or Southeast Missouri State's basketball identities, whether he had a chance at success or whether those schools were just bound to struggle. Um, but the fact that he's from Compton, California should help uh, the recruiting wise. And again, Anthony Coleman, is a great recruiter. That's one of the things he's very well known for. We'll have to see how it plays out, whether Rick Ray can replicate that, whether he can be better, whether he is not. Um, and, and a lot of it's just kind of wait and see. I did like Anthony Coleman, um, Rick Ray, I think, I mean, just from being in basketball this long, like he's got to be a, a good basketball guy. And then he, hopefully I'll get to know him here soon. Who knows what's going on with the world. But uh, yeah, there's there's the update there. They finally filled that role. Um, anything else I want to get to? I mean, oh, the golf thing. I haven't even brought that up. Yeah, so RK and I are taking on Vic Lombardi and Mark Moser in a golf match on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday afternoon. I think our tee time's at like 1.40, and it's best ball. So me and RK, whoever has the best score on each hole, we take that score. Um, same thing for Lombardi and Moser. And uh, we're still trying to figure out which charities we're playing for, but the losers will have to donate um, a, a big chunk of money, actually, to a charity, which is pretty cool. Um, again, that's at Fossil Trace. So we got a practice round today. Got practice round tomorrow, and then no practice round Tuesday, but then Wednesday's the big day. I'm pretty excited. I've been watching a bunch of golf. Um, also watching a bunch of soccer. Uh, I, I, I was really excited to see Taylor play, obviously, and Aaron Greening, because I've never watched her play. She's a buff, and that is enough of a draw for me at this point in my life to turn on and watch you play soccer. Um, but with everything going on, the positive tests, and, and then there's some weird reports coming out um, that some players had tested positive and then tested negative right after. And so they're trying to figure out whether the tests were working and that whole stuff just turned it into like a bit of chaos. I think it was one day, two days before they were supposed to play their first game after they had already withdrawn from the tournament. But they were supposed to play their first game yesterday. Obviously, they couldn't. There were still two other NWSL games. I watched them. I did, for some reason, I just can't get into British soccer or any other European soccer or even the MLS really. And I guess it's probably just because I follow the women's national team so much more closely than any other team in soccer, but it was just so much fun to see all of them. Like Rose Lavelle, the star of the world cup, who's been like, I guess hurt during most of the time, the NWSL. And so she hasn't been like dominant and she's also like super young, but she was just everywhere. Like she's about to just take over the league um, and just so many big names everywhere. It's so much fun to follow along, especially now that like going through that whole World Cup process, I feel like I know a whole bunch of things about like three or four players on every team. And I also know the names of like a few other players on every team. And so then when you watch, you're like, you know all that. And so they're all fun to watch. Like Rose Lavelle is fun to watch. Um, Lindsey Horan, a Colorado tie there. Uh, she played yesterday and she was so much fun to watch. But uh, 
then you start to learn about like the other players on the team, like the young people who are about to get their first tries on the women's national team. And just following along with that whole process, like I am, I am 100% bought in to the NWSL women's national team. I do wish that Taylor was playing, but it'll come next year. And especially when you're seeing like, oh, the fourth overall draft pick is headed in there. And then she goes in and you're like, oh, wow, this girl's dope. And then they're like, oh, number one, Sophie Smith out of Stanford, who was a whole bunch of fun to watch. She was the first overall pick. Um, and again, Stanford, that soccer team was so much fun when they came to Boulder. Um, but she plays her first game. It's going to be like, oh, yeah, another young player dominating. And Taylor could have been right there dominating with them. Um, it's disappointing for sure, but I don't know. There, there are enough players to cheer for. It's just going to keep me definitely bought in for next year. There's no way my interest is going to fade. Um, I think that's it for updates. All the sports stuff. Um, yeah, well, I guess that means it's time for the DraftKings pick of the week. So I don't think I've mentioned this during these in quite a while, but there are some weird things that are going on with betting on college sports in Colorado. They're still like working out some of those kinks. Um, and so the variety of bets that are offered in Colorado is kind of slim still at this point, but that should by the start of the season pick up. And that's when we're going to start really hitting these uh, DraftKings options uh, for college football. And then of course, like there are game lines for every week, but I don't want to go through and pick every week of games at this point in the offseason. So um, instead, I found a bet on a division winner in the NFL that I think you should get in on. So let's talk about the AFC South. Let's start with Jacksonville because Jacksonville is going to be pretty bad. Um... You look at the quarterback with Gardner Minshew and you're like, oh, maybe he's all right, but there's a real chance that he isn't. And this is a team that could very much be in play for the first overall pick. You know, go Visca, and I think Visca is going to do great, but the rest of that team is weak. And so I'm kind of just counting them out. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the Titans. Um, I think that it was a fluke that they made it to the AFC Championship. Or maybe not even that. I think I think that the Titans are a good playoff team. You know, when you have a running game like that, you have a solid defense like that, if you can just play good football and have those players play the best of your ability, you're going to be right in it in every playoff game, and that's really all you can ask for. And that comes down to a couple plays at the end. You can hang right in it with anybody. That said, I just... Dim not bought into this team at all, especially in the regular season, especially when teams are going to be flinging the ball around when all that's happening. I just don't see things working. You know, you, you look at this roster and obviously you have the all pro running back with Derrick Henry, and that's a huge weapon for an offense. But also you look at the receivers and see Corey Davis as the number one. A.J. Brown, who's exciting, but again, it's it's a question very much how much he produces as your number two, and then Adam Humphreys behind it. That's not 
a great group of receivers, especially when you remember that this is likely the first season that they won't have Delaney Walker, who's still a free agent, who's been a, a big threat for them in the passing game, although he is aging and that's kind of tailed off. But still, that's, that is a loss to part of their identity as an offense. You've always had that little option, even if he isn't the the dynamic, speedy guy who's making big plays. He's still able to get out there and catch some balls, especially in the flat, bail out the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who I'm also not all that sold on. Um, this offensive line, there are three new starters on this offensive line. That's so much. And, and you know, Taylor Luan, good. Roger Saffold, great reputation. Ben Jones, Nate Davis, Dennis Kelly. Who are these guys? And maybe Isaiah Wilson is able to play this year. He's ready. I would still kind of be surprised by that. And so I do think this running game takes a hit too. And when you look at the passing game, I don't know that there's enough there to win a division. You know, I could still see this team being a wild card team. Or, I mean, they still could win the division, but I just don't think so. You, you look at the defense, the defensive line, Jeffrey S- uh, Simmons, Daquan Jones, Jack Crawford. You're not super stout group. And, you know, Simmons is still young. He's going to keep getting better, but you're still projecting. And even if he does pan out, you know, it's, it's not like there's a lot of help behind him. You know, Lorel Murchison, they did draft, I guess, but rookie defensive linemen just aren't that reliable, which I mean is, is one more reason to think that Jeffrey Simmons is going to be better this year. He's a first round pick last year. Um, at linebacker, Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans, Jion Brown, Vic Beasley. You have some pass rushers there. You have Rashawn Evans, who I really like. Um, that That's a good group. That is a good group. And then you look at the secondary with Adoree Jackson, Malcolm Butler, cornerback, Christian Fulton behind him, Jonathan, jo- well, the ghost of Jonathan Joseph there too. That's that's good. That's good. Adoree Jackson, eh, but the rest of it, that's solid. You're happy with your number one. You're happy with your number three. You're happy with your number four. At safety with Kevin Byard, Kenny Vaccaro, this will be a good defense. This will be a good defense. Is it going to be a good enough defense to cover up for the flaws that this offense could have? And if you're bought in on Ryan Tannehill and Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, then go ahead and and say this team is going to win. But I just really am not. Um, especially when you remember, they took first in this division last year, which means they're playing the other AFC teams that took first this year. Uh, so the Patriots, I guess you're not all that scared of. But you also have to play the Chiefs. You have to play the Ravens. That's the, This division likely will come down to a game or two, and having those tougher games on the schedule will make a difference. Uh, you look at the Colts, and with the Colts... I think there's more to like. Um, some big question marks for sure. Uh, but let's just run through it. You know, the passing game, they now have Phillip Rivers, who was awful last year. And there's really no way around it. Um, he was awful. And and it's always so strange at this point in a quarterback's career um, because m- maybe he realized, like, oh, I need to I need to be working on my legs more. My legs feel like they're giving out. I need to work on this arm strength a little bit more. Or whatever it is, maybe he can fix whatever was going wrong. Maybe having a better offensive line, uh, like the one that uh, Indianapolis has, will keep him upright. And it was just like the constant 
little nicks and bumps that kept him from playing his best. I don't buy it. I think that Philip Rivers has been overrated for a long time, and I uh, don't see him having any sort of resurgence now. But at the same time, you have T.Y. Hilton out there, a great receiver. Next to him, it's Michael Pittman Jr., who, if, if you wanted to sell me on him as a third receiver, I th- I could take it. But rookie receivers just don't produce all that much, especially the big body ones who are able to rely on just being big in college. You know, you you have to add a whole bunch more footwork. You have to you have to probably add speed. Yeah, I, maybe he doesn't. I think he could get by without adding speed if his footwork does get quite a bit better. But again, that's going to take time. And working with Philip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton will certainly help. But uh, especially when you look at the other teams in this division where it's like, what did we say about the Titans? You're happy with the number one corner. Number two's like, eh. And then three and four you're happy with. Well, guess what? Malcolm Butler's going on T.Y. Hilton. I think I like T.Y. Hilton in that matchup, except that now you have those great safeties behind him who are, are, are allowing uh, Malcolm to play a little bit underneath because he'll get covered up. And then you have your second matchup as Michael Pittman versus Dory Jackson. I think I like a Dory Jackson in that behind Michael Pittman Jr. You know, Paris Campbell, Marcus Johnson, Desmond Patton, Zach Pascal. I just, I, I, I just don't see a lot to like with the passing game in the running game. I think that there is some real potential. You know, you have Anthony Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Mark Lewinsky, Braden Smith. That's a good offensive line. One of the best in football. Um, Whether you think Quentin Nelson's a little bit overrated or not. But uh, last year, Marlon Mack was, I want to say he was top 10 in carries last year, which is pretty crazy. A lot of those will now be going to Jonathan Taylor. And if Jonathan Taylor pans out, I could see this team having the better running game than the Titans. And then when you look at the defense, and you could see the defense being better as well. You know, they signed DeForest Buckner, and it'll be interesting to see what he does outside of the 49ers because he was kind of late to break out. Um, maybe not considered a bust, but was at least a little bit disappointing for how highly he was drafted. But then when you surround him with that much talent and he's getting one-on-ones, he's dominant. When he's on a defensive line with Grover Stewart and Kamoko Toure and Justin Houston out there too. So, I mean, it's it's really two good players and two, eh, you know, I guess Kamoko Toure could still take a step forward. But uh, it, he does scare me a bit um, because if they're able to just double team, they'll take him out. And outside Justin Houston, there isn't too much else to beat that um, behind him. You've got Bobby Ukariki, uh, Anthony Walker, Darius Leonard. And and so, I, I mean, that's a solid group um, if it's not a great group. And then I guess in the secondary, you've got uh, TJ Carey. Uh, you've got Xavier Rhodes and Rocky Sin playing corner probably with Kerry Willis and Malik Hooker at safety. I mean, that's a solid group too. I see them right there with the Titans. When you go to the Texans, though, that's when I see a bit more upside. You know, the 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 loss of DeAndre Hopkins is huge. He's one of the best receivers in the league. I believe he may be the best receiver in the league. But it's not like they're just out of options outside of him. You know, they have Brandon Cooks. They have Will Fuller, Randall Cobb. 
Um, and then behind him, they still have Kiki Kuti, who had a down year but could still take a step. Kenny Stills has been solid. That's a that's there might not be too much upside in that group, but it's a speedy group, some good route runners, and I think that you at least have some options there. The tight ends aren't all that inspiring with Darren Fells, but Deshaun Watson can make something happen there. Uh, the offensive line solid. The running backs. <sighs> They get David Johnson. He looked terrible last year. He looked like he'd lost more than a step. You know, we talk so much about guys like KJ Hamler, who it's like when you watch him on tape, they just eat the space. Even if even if the corner's playing off coverage, the receiver just eats the space in front of him, and all of a sudden he's right on top of him. David Johnson's the exact opposite of that now. Watching him with the ball with nobody in front of him, it looks like he's jogging. It's actually kind of weird. But at the same time, you know, when we're valuing guys like Delaney Walker, who even if they don't have the speed, even if they don't have like too much upside as a player with the ball in their hands, they know their spots. They know where to go. They'll catch the ball and they'll pick up small gains when there isn't much else out there. And I think David Johnson still has value in that way. Um, defensively, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, JJ Watt is is going to be very good as he always is. Whitney Merciless, Zach Cunningham, Bernardrick McKinney, Brennan Scarlett. I, I kind of like that group. And then behind him with Justin Reed at safety, you really like that. Um Gary and Conley, Bradley Roby, Vernon Hargraves. So I think that this is a team that I would probably put ahead of the others just because I think the offense is going to be significantly better and the defense won't be that much work or, or that much worse, but you have some players who can give you um, some, some, some big plays, you know, JJ Watt can get a sack that essentially ends the drive. Even if it's a first down puts him in second and tw- 17 that ends a drive. Whitney Merciless can do the same thing. Um, Zach Cunningham. I really like, he can make plays. He's an athletic cover linebacker. And that's something that you just need. And when you, again, look at these linebackers, and remember that the teams that they're playing are going to be running the ball a lot. It means that having Gary and Conley starting at corner isn't all that scary anymore um, because you have Vernon Hargraves. You know, Bradley Roby, he could take another step forward. Um, they have Justin Reed to take away the big plays. What I really like about the Texans, though, is the odds. And I know it's taken us a while to get here, which was not the plan. Um, but. Here are the odds to win the division. The Colts are plus 110. The Titans are plus 180. The Texans, plus 350. I think that that's just too good of a value to turn down. Um, Even if it is kind of a toss-up out out of the three, which is basically how I see it. You know, I'd I'd probably give the Texans a slight edge. Um, Probably Texans, Titans, Colts would be my pick. Um, With Titans and Colts being virtually inseparable, um, and Titans and Texans being a little more separated, but not all that much. But again, that plus 350, it's just too tough to beat. That means a $10 bet gives you $35 plus the 10 you put in. So 10 to pay out 45. I think that that's a, that's a good value. And that's something I take advantage of. And that is my DraftKings pick of the week. You can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter the code DNVR when you sign up. 
only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, that's going to do it for today. Um, I'll be back with another show here pretty quickly. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add except football's so close. Football's so close. It's just right around the corner and hopefully things get better. Oh, I should say that I had to like take a break real quick because my computer was overloaded and hated all the things that I was doing with all the depth charts pulled up and all that kind of stuff. And while I was just like restarting it and giving it a chance to get a quick rest, a tweet came through, a tweet that just gets me even more fired up. So we talked about how Ashad Clayton uh, ran uh, the, the what? The 21.3 miles per hour, the second fastest of any skill position player on the team this week, offense or defense. And Ashad just quote tweeted that tweet um, now 13 minutes ago and said, just wait till I'm 100%. Glory to, glory to God. So, I mean, if you want to believe him, you know, this is kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, sure, you're not 100%. And, you know, KD was kind of saying the same thing too. Like, oh, now I'm back to 100. I'm ready to go. You guys won't believe what you're going to see. And and my take on all that stuff is, it's. I mean, that's just that constant offseason talk. Like, oh, I'm the best shape of my life. Every player's in the best shape of his life every year. Um, that just can't always be true. And I'm not one to believe like, oh, 100% you're not 100% eh if he goes out there and next week has a 22.3 then then I'll buy it but uh it just adds a little bit more of a plot to this storyline which always makes it more fun to follow um and we'll be following all that kind of stuff here on the DNVR Buffs podcast really appreciate you for listening especially for 45 minutes like I said I'll be back uh tomorrow with another show and I'm pretty excited about it. I don't know at all what we'll be talking about, but hopefully it will be good. Oh, I guess, have we talked about the UCLA? I don't know if we've talked about the UCLA stuff here. So we'll touch on that for sure. Okay, uh, for the fourth time, that's going to do it. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, and I lied just one more time um, immediately. Like, so I still have my Twitter notifications on for a shot from that whole, like, uh, whatever we want to call it that was happening before he actually signed with the buffs and uh immediately i hit stop recording and then my phone buzzes and i look and ashad just tweets i'm going for 24 miles per hour that's super fast that's so fast guys that's so fast okay um bye i think they like my colorado sway cuz when i'm in it play And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you're afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit